Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Today, this is the first in our Productivity Insight series that Sue and I will be doing every month. So we're going to talk to you about what we're seeing out there in the market, topics, trends, and today we are going to kick off with something that we're seeing a lot of over the last six to eight months, which is role study, primarily around leadership roles in contact centres, warehouses, retail shops, something you've been working a lot on, Sue. Yes, we've been doing lots of shadowing people and um, analysing what they're all doing. Okay, so let, let's, for those people that may be not familiar with what role study is, let's start with the basics. So just talk us through in layman's terms, what is a role study and who should it focus on? A role study is where we shadow an individual that's in a particular role for a period of either a shift for a day in a life of, or a week where we do a week in a life. As you said, it's often leadership roles. It can actually be used on any speciality, specialist sort of roles. So usually where you, you're um, paying a premium for that and you want to understand what, what you're getting for the premium that you're paying, in essence. So pharmacist, optom, those, when you say specialist roles, that type of thing? Yeah, it can be that sort of thing. Um, and then obviously things like supervisors, assistant managers, managers, all the various um, different roles that there are. So there's been a lot of it happening over the last six to eight months. I've said we've done it over the last 10 years, but there's been a significant increase. Are the kind of questions that people are trying to answer? Why, why are they coming to us and speaking to me and you and then your team going out and studying and doing the insights? Why? Why are they doing it? What questions are they answering or trying to answer? So I think one of the reasons we've seen a lot of it now is covid prevented people really from looking at their the way they were working because people were coping with either making changes so they could operate slightly differently or things were working differently and I think as we've come into a stage where people have settled back down into more what's going to be business as usual people are then going through the well where are the opportunities what's working right within our business how can we do things differently and I think those specialist roles are they working right is something that people are coming to and for me, a role study always has to exist within the context of what an organisation is trying to achieve. So you've got strategic aims as an organisation and there'll be certain things you need to deliver. And really your leadership structure is just how are you going to deliver that? How are you going to lead your teams? So it's really that thinking about perhaps some strategic changes, looking at how what your leadership team need to be doing and then well, actually, what are they doing now? Because there's often a gap between where you want them to be and, and where they are. And it's probably fair to say that over the last 10 years, maybe even more, organisations have chipped away at structures. So they've maybe taken out middle management. They've they've got rid of supervisoritis. They've maybe got rid of a deputy. Maybe then some of that's crept back in. Certainly, there's always this debate around specialists versus generalists. And again, we work with some organisations where maybe they've got a dedicated greeter and they want to understand what value they get from that. Are they there all the time? Or actually, do they just get consumed back into the general stock till um, day-to-day running of the organisation work? So I suppose economically, there's a, a challenge for people as well. They've done the easy stuff or they've had two or three goes at looking at leadership roles and, and what they do and why they exist. And I know it's cropped up in a couple of conversations I've been having there seems to be a lot more appetite to be more radical as well now again. So multi-site management's cropping up a lot more in conversation, not necessarily from a cost point of view, but more from a career progression point of view of 
So how do I move on from being a store manager if there's only so many regional area divisional manager roles? Where, where do I go other than out the exit door to somewhere else? So there, there seems to be an appetite for change, an appetite for understanding, an appetite for data to support those decisions. So when when the team have been out and they've worked with the they've shadowed days, weeks for those roles, what type of themes and, and trends are you seeing coming back in the data speaking kind of very generically? Well, in the data, what we're looking for is how um, well-defined is a role. So if an organisation has got a certain management role defined, can we see from the data that that is a unique differentiated role? If you've got three managers called different things, but actually the data says they're all doing broadly the same thing, then that says you've got undifferentiated roles. It won't be clear for career progression. It's not clear on on skills and behaviours and the things that you need. So what we're looking for is a role that's that's differentiated from the rest. And so you, you want to look at the degree of differentiation. And then if that same role is in multiple places, so if you've got a store manager, is the store manager doing the same thing in every store? So how consistent are roles between locations? So for a role to work well, it needs to be well-defined and it needs to be the same everywhere. And then you get into the sort of layer below that where you're looking at things like, well, how are they spending their time? So how is time split between their specialism? So whether that's leadership or whether it's a particular professional skill or something like being a greeter. So how much time they're spending on that versus general tasks that others can do. Um, And things like... Within that specialism, how much of it, so if it's leadership, how much of that is leading people versus doing admin? Because there's been tensions. Obviously, we've worked with lots of clients that have worked really hard to get the amount of admin down out of their business. Well, if the manager's not got forms and things to fill in, what are they doing? So, you know, there's all sorts of things that people are looking at about what's the balance. And it's always in the context of where do they want people to be? And I always say with roles study, there isn't a right or a wrong answer kind of the data is what it is and it tells you what's happening. It depends what the business wants from those roles and how they want to organise it. And there isn't one size fits all. My favourite role is still the assistant till supervisor. It's like, <laughs> and that, that's a true role. It doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. And um, people talk about spanner control as well. So that seems to be yeah. in conversation a lot. Uh, and also... I suppose more in the back of their minds or when they're flowing through if the data is then used to do some organizational design and, and kind of role matrix back to the point you made earlier about career progression because the flatter your structure the harder it is to progress um so how, how do you do that as an organization because you want to keep your rising your rising stars and your talent and you always need that pipeline but let's just touch on span historically if i think back to my store manager days you've got a one-to-one relationship normally with your deputy. If you've got one, we kind of probably flatten some of that. So you yeah. might have two or three direct reports that then have, have got teams underneath. In your experience, how far are people stretching that spanner control? And and let's be clear on what, is it people? Is it heads? Because they're very different metrics. Well, when you're talking span of control, that that's how many people or heads, depending on how you define it, is a is a manager looking after. And how broad that span can be really depends on what you're doing. If you're having an hour's one-to-one with every single individual every week, clearly you can't manage as many people as if you have a quarterly review 
and catch-ups and a, and a bit of a brief in between. So it depends on what your your style is. A lot of businesses would div- divide it divide it based on the number of full-time equivalents. Obviously, where you've got a high mix of part-timers in there, then you could end up with, you know, 10 FTEs, but you've got actually 30 heads. So pe- most businesses would use a mix between the two and be fairly pragmatic about uh, what it is. It, it kind of depends if you've got a mainly part-time or full-time mix within your business. And again, recalling from history, I remember an organisation I worked for, we went through iterations of quarterly reviews, performance to plan up- updates, and some of them were nine or 10 competency pages long and you had to evidence it. And, you know, it was a box ticking exercise was the reality, but that was just the game. Again, I've seen lately a lot more informal coffee chats as development plans, maybe six monthly formal write down yearly kind of end of year review, which impacts pay rise and next step. So there seems to have been a big change in terms of the formality, the frequency and the effort required to do that, which should help people have a, bigger span because there's less admin or there's less onerous paperwork for I won't say for no point but for little gain around it yeah I think there's been a a recognition within sort of um, how people do leadership that the best way to manage performance is to have regular ongoing conversations with people and bigger chats when the time's needed and, and kind of lots of smaller interactions to coach, keep people on the right track, stretch and develop them depending on their own basis. So I think there's been a more fluid approach generally, which has been part of that removing some of layer, those layers. So as things have got flatter, you know, it's and the world's just become more informal, really, you know, how the how everybody interacts. And so I think that's flown through into these, it's a much more fluid ongoing conversation is the ideal. So if you're doing that, it's much easier than kind of, you know, those conversations that just happen once a quarter and, you know, really people should know how they're doing. And so the the amount of time that's spent on those conversations to a degree determines how many heads a person can look after and what's... And it depends if it's a developmental role, because obviously if it's people that are brand new and need lots of guidance, that's different to if you've got a mix of really experienced team and lots of new people too. So lots of good data, lots of benchmarking as well. Yeah, benchmarking is fascinating in that it can show how time's being spent versus other organisations. I think one of the trends that we've seen is there's been roles where actually the time spent on management is probably not as high as people expected and certainly it's usually time spent on people management so people end up doing tasks and jobs rather than uh, leading teams so that's some of the things that comes out and um, it's useful to see how much time your leader is spending on as a proportion of their time on management and people management versus where other people are at because it, it usually shows you the art of the possible it's one of those things when you've been part of the business, you get used to what's normal and to say, well, actually, you could double your number of, double your spans, you double your number of heads that you look after. It feels quite difficult if you're in a world where, you know, you've always done it this way. Benchmarking really helps show the possibility that there's other really successful businesses that are stretching that span, that are doing things differently, that are freeing up managers from admin to spend more time with the people and delivering great results. And you anonymise that benchmarking data to make sure that it's um, sector 
specific so it's relevant to that client so a yeah. coffee shop versus an anonymized high street coffee shop chain so yeah that data is all there yeah it's all relevant yeah and there's a bit around people working at the right level i suppose as well so in a, in a world where national living wage people are getting 10 percent pay rises for for working on the shop floor supermarkets are typically driving that way above national living wage to get the best people and to retain those people never more so has there been a time when i suppose in most relevant organizations of, of size i get maybe in convenience stores supermarkets slightly different you want people being paid the right rate for the job they're doing so do i really want a manager on 40 grand plus putting stock out on the shelf do i really want them on the till and i say that comes with a caveat in some organizations convenient retail that has to happen because of the yeah. size of the team but are there any insights that you've started to glean from that piece around overlap across roles and people working almost a level or two or three levels below? I think there's been a general shift in terms of what's expected of kind of the more general roles, so associate roles, versus what would have been traditionally supervisor roles. So a lot of those supervisor roles have gone. And I think there's an acceptance that a, a good general sales associate should be able to authorise a refund and perhaps take the tills in at night, where previously it would have been a manager doing that that role, if you think back kind of 20 years sort of thing. So I think there's been some changes there. Um, and as I said earlier, that there's that tension between if you're taking out tasks and activities and admin, then what a manager is doing. And I think there can sometimes be a gap between that capability. So if as a manager, I've spent years having to make sure I did all my audits and get my paperwork right and do all my filing, it then can be quite difficult to shift to being a, an on the, on the sales floor coach of everybody. It's, you know, it's a shift. So I think most businesses are actually in that transition stage of deciding what they want. And, and as ever, there's a real mix of people in, in those roles doing different things. And that comes through in the data. Yeah, I think my struggle is when I sit down with people and they say, we've got all these management tasks. If you kind of challenge back and then say, so give me all the things that only a manager can do. They really struggle to answer. I mean, even from the basic of opening and closing the store now, there's retailers that let colleagues do it, let senior team leaders do it. Banking, typically done by colleagues and, and checked. Yes, granted, you've got kind of disciplinaries, maybe not even interviews these days. Um, and you've got some of the appraisal stuff, but there's very little that coexists in an organisation where it's only the manager or yeah. the senior management team, leadership team, however you want to describe it, that can do it. Yeah. Um, which should then start to get you to think about if I've got all these roles, what actually are they doing? Is it you know more chiefs, less Indians, more Indians, less chiefs? People are going back to generalists. Again, we've seen the supermarkets close all the specialist counters. We've seen Lloyd's announce the week of recording that they're coming out of Sainsbury's. So there's some specialist roles disappearing out, pharmacists, dispensers again. So you're left with a world of generalists. And I, I think the direction of travel will be people recognising, if we talk in retail, probably the same in warehousing, contact centres, we're going to have to pay people more over the next five to 10 years. So we're probably going to end up running with less people. So how do we make the processes as simple as possible, reduce the the non-value add, which we've talked about in other blogs and, and podcasts, simplify to the point that we don't need as many leaders and the generalists' colleagues can just pretty much do everything. 
Now, there's a big point of intervention there, which we've not touched on, which is field leadership, because they can absolutely support that or absolutely blow that to pieces by generating an, an enormous amount of workload themselves. Yes. Yeah, we do see that at times. There's a, there can be a whole industry around conference calls and that sort of thing. And, you know, you become the regional lead for something and then have to spend three hours preparing something and sending it around to everybody else. So, yeah, we do see that on occasion too. And if we think about the future then, so I've kind of said where I think it's heading, a couple of quick fire questions then. Will we end up in a world where most retail organisations have no store manager in every store? I don't think we're ready for that yet. Um, I think there'll be a slimming down, a continuation of the slimming down of the structure that's underneath the store manager rather than um, getting rid of them. I think there might be more people try sort of uh, multi-site management. There's a lot of people tried that in the past and it can be tricky to make it work. You spend you spend all your time where it's not going well is the, the challenge and all the people that do a good job never see you. That's it. Is, or is, at worst, you end up spending all your time on the road and nobody knows where you are and actually you don't you don't deliver anything. So there are some challenges with it. So I, I think there's going to be more of that continuation to slim it down. And some of the data that we'll do will show that Actually, if a, if a manager is only spending 30% of their time in management, how many of them do you need on shift at any one time? So, you know, you'll often see a business where they might have three or four managers, but that none of them are full with management. So, you know, if none of them are full of management, you only need one of them. You don't need three or four of them. So I think there's some more slimming down to go with that. Does that lead then in the future to working at more of a kind of conurbation level? So if you think in Shrewsbury, we've got one of the popular supermarket chains, big super centre, three convenience around the town. Could you actually devise a management structure, which was a Shrewsbury management structure, and therefore you get more flexibility covering holidays, you get more flexibility developing people. And it's out, I don't know, hub and spoke model, however you want to call it. But actually, we're not really assigned to a store with the rotor works on coverage. Yeah, and I think it's a great way to give people variety because there's different challenges and and skills really needed in operating, in leading a larger store versus a smaller convenience one that works all sorts of long hours and that sort of thing. And I think that won't be just unique to managers. I think there's a lot of benefits from doing that from all roles. Because actually, you know, one of the big things that we find is people needing that flexibility to manage peaks. And so that ability to move people between, as you say, to cover whether it's absence, give people a change, you know, why wouldn't you have somebody that works three evenings in one store and two evenings in another? And actually, in some places, that's really difficult to do on the payroll system. Yeah, and a lot, well, I think all the, the leading workforce management solutions now have the app ability to shift swap, shift bid, to set your home location. So that's where I'm payrolled from, but actually I'm prepared to work in these stores around it and I'll see those bits. And in, interestingly, I know we've we talked about kind of roles that are very based around four walls but you talked about travel there when we've done role study on sales roles on area managers regional managers that whole travel piece really gets flushed out in terms of is that a value out of their time are they driving past each other on the motorway the patches set out so again can be applied there I suppose is my point but will we get to more of a point where we can reduce that travel for people. Clearly, there's a cost, there's a, an economic impact, there's a, an environmental impact. So would you be able to manage an organisation by doing more virtual store, factory, warehouse, contact centre walks, or is it always got to be face-to-face? I think in businesses like retail, hospitality, 
where you're interfacing with customers face-to-face, you'll probably always want a degree of face-to-face in there. And I think most people have already started to move to more virtual calls. So, you know, we are seeing more regional meetings that are held online. Now, making those really engaging is a whole other challenge. Regional meetings themselves to make it engaging could be tricky, but it's it's a whole other level when it's uh, everybody's just on a screen in their home base or wherever. So I think there's there's challenges with it. Um, we've seen some interesting things about kind of how people spend the time between admin and adding the difference. So we did some work with um, a group, it was a sales role, and some of them had an admin Monday. And we see that replicated in lots of organisations where they perhaps have an admin heavy Monday. And when you compared people with that admin Monday and the rest of the time to do whatever their speciality was versus people that did a bit of their admin at the start and end of day and yet every day set out to do their speciality, it was much more effective to have them doing their specialist role every day. And kind of when you say that, it makes sense. Well, of course it would. But actually, it's amazing how many places have that admin day. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder you wonder what they're doing in it. But then when you start to understand, as we talked about before, all the reports that are asked for, all the other bits that crop in, um, and whatever you're driving, then you can't check your emails and they're continuously tripping in your inbox. So lot, lots of application. I think we are seeing more technology being used. And I think technology has been one of the things that's really changing how leaders spend the time. So whether that's automation of things like temperature checks you no longer have that scruffy piece of paper which helps from an audit point of view because as an central organization you can see whether things are being done then so there's those sorts of box ticking important box ticking things but audits and stuff being done there's things like when you know new builds and stuff have been done that they're being can have photographs and all that sort of stuff so that can help but actually we're seeing um people that are using them to do their store walks and then actually delegate tasks within the store and check things are being done. So in the past, it would have been much more people intensive to go around and write a list, check it had been done. So although it would have looked like, I think there's a difference between interactions of the have you done it yet type aren't really value adding interactions, but coaching interactions about, right, we've got this challenge. How do you think we can address it? What's the best way? What have you thought about? Are very different. So I think technology can both reduce the the workload and the admin and the, the office bit, but it can actually free up people to have different types of conversations if it's used in the right way. And that it's not, it's starting to be used, but I don't think it's it's anywhere near where it could potentially get to. So it sounds like lots of good data, lots of great benchmarking to give people a, a sense of scale of where they fit, but also still lots of opportunity, whether that be through the structure, whether that be through ways of working, or as you just talked about in that last point, technology. So, And I think wherever people are having these discussions about roles, whether it's a specialist role, whether it's leadership, whether it's field leadership, there's a real challenge that often it can be based on opinions and as an individual, your experience is just limited to what you know. So, you know, you, you only know a few of them. When you do a study and you get the data, you then change from having a discussion that's just based on opinions to something that's based on data. So it, it allows more of those, I think, um, radical conversations to happen because it allows you, to, it puts you one step away from the people and the individuals that you know, because actually it becomes... This is data. Where do we want it to be? So it allows you to separate a bit. 
Yeah, based on fact, like you say. Yeah. And, and sometimes it'll tell you what you already know. Sometimes, most of the time, it'll add some value in terms of things you didn't know, but it's it's fact rather than, as you say, opinion. Well, and although you say it'll tell you something you already know, you might think that you know that actually people aren't spending much time with the people. When you then see the data that says, actually, it's only 5% or only 10%, then that's it's confirmation and it allows you, you know, it's a definite basis to make some decisions. It moves it on from, I think, to I definitely know and it's this much. And actually, you can then set a target to say, well, I want to move it to 30% of the time or 50% or whatever it is. Absolutely. So on, on that note, we'll finish product- Productivity Insights number one, role study. Uh, any questions, any queries, anything you want to find out about, then don't hesitate to reach out to Sue and I. You can find details on LinkedIn uh, or on the website. If you know us personally, then just drop us a note. But um, yeah, look forward to Productivity Insights number two.